Hey there, before we get started, please be advised and be aware that this series, Scars and Ashes, is for mature audiences only. It contains conversation about sexual violence, and that can be triggering for some. So if you're down to continue listening, thank you. But if this is too much and you cannot listen, that's totally fine. We invite you instead to pray for people impacted by sexual violence and also pray for our society as a whole. God bless. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Church, the podcast featuring conversations and information for the curious and convinced. I am your host, Sonia, and today we're talking about Dinah, Jacob's only daughter, in this new series, Scars and Ashes. Her story is told in Genesis 34, if you want to read ahead and just to know kind of how the story is going to unfold for yourself, that's fine. Otherwise, let's get into it. Let's Talk Church. Are you looking for handmade skincare products? Well, if you are, then may I suggest that you try Herbal Glow plant-based skincare? I have personally used the lemon and carrot body butter and I adore it. A little goes a long way and I'm all about getting the most bang for my buck. So if you're interested in Herbal Glow as featured in BuzzFeed, you can check them out at HerbalGlowUS.com. Herbal Glow, you are a noteworthy mention. The latest National Crime Victimization Survey fact sheet says that personal crimes show statistical similarities between genders. In 2018, for personal crimes, males aged 12 or older experienced 22.5 victimizations per 1,000 persons. For females aged 12 and older, it's 24.8 victimizations per 1,000 persons. The majority of these personal crimes go unreported to the police. Of those that are reported, we usually only find out about a sliver of those. There usually must be some sensationalism about it in order for it to make the news. 
a young girl, maybe an unsuspecting girl, maybe a naive girl finds herself in a situation that is traumatic. And no matter how bad the trauma, we always find people with varying narratives on what happened. The same facts can be laid right before us and we will see what we want to see. The scripture is clear on some things and doesn't comment on other things as it relates to Dinah's story. And we know that where there is a void, we tend to fill it with our own presumptions. We fill it with, you know, based on the things that we see in our lives, the lens in which we live or view life. We view it not always from the facts, but from our own ideology Or we try to make the facts fit our own perception of the situation. And then (laughs) we share that. Not, not, Not the facts, but our perception of the facts. That's what we tend to share. And that can be dangerous. We find ourselves always needing to fact check. Okay. (laughs) Let's be clear. Most of us don't fact check. We run with what we're told. Never bothering to sit down and work to get at the truth. Never bothering to really verify the truth of the story. That's what we tend to do. So as I was reading Dinah's story, I was transported back in time for a moment, but then abruptly pulled back to the present. For even though her story occurred in times past, the underlying themes are still very much relevant for today. Just think about the news. What did you hear? What did you see? Here's some buzzwords that are frequently used on the news. Uh, Rape, sexual assault, trafficking, kidnapping, sexualized clothing, provocative. Or maybe you've heard some of these quotes. She should have known. Everybody does it. It's not a big deal. Get over it. And although statistically, according to the Department of Justice, Bureau of Justice Statistics from a 2019 National Crime Victimization Survey, things are getting better. Nationally, rape or sexual assault victimizations declined from 2.7 per 1,000 persons aged 12 or older in 2018 to 1.7 per 1,000 in 2019. But Why does it even happen in the first place? The short answer, sin. Dinah was the victim. But just like on the news, we can easily find people willing to discuss the story and blame her. We can easily find people who manage in light of two verses of scripture to place the blame on her. The fact is that some people just, that's just what they do. Some people victim blame. Some people label. For Donna, we can find people willing to ask why she didn't go out only when her brothers could accompany her. We find others that will say that she was willing to be seduced or that she knew what could possibly happen to her. I searched through catalog sermons and was surprised uh, to find this line of thought from the pulpit of some churches. In this age of Me Too and women's rights and general awareness, it was hard for me to agree with what I heard. I don't blame that, Dinah. I don't. I don't think she knew what she was about to encounter. 
The Bible does not speak to us on what Dinah knew or what she could have expected when she made this fateful trip. What it does tell us is that one day Dinah, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, went to visit some of the young women who lived in the area. That's what it tells us. We didn't, it doesn't talk about what she had on. It wasn't talking about overly sexualized clothing. It doesn't talk about, you know, what she might have been trying to get into. It doesn't say anything like that. It just says one day Dinah, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, went to visit some of the young women who lived in the area. That's the New Living Testament translation of Genesis 34.1. And what we do know now is that from that point, things go downhill. In Dinah's story, we find hope that quickly turns to heartbreak. We find anger that is ultimately answered. And we find revenge that is revolting. Are you looking for handmade skincare products? Well, if you are, then may I suggest that you try Herbal Glow plant-based skincare? I have personally used the lemon and carrot body butter and I adore it. A little goes a long way and I'm all about getting the most bang for my buck. So if you're interested in Herbal Glow as featured in BuzzFeed, you can check them out at HerbalGlowUS.com. Herbal Glow, you are a noteworthy mention. Scripture tells us that Dinah is the daughter of Leah and Jacob. To know Jacob's story in the Bible is to know that he himself did some tricky and hurtful things to his brother Esau. His actions toward his older brother put him in a position to leave his home and go stay with his uncle Laban. Well, that wasn't exactly a good situation from him either because Laban was tricky. Jacob was tricky. His uncle Laban was tricky. His mother was tricky toward her husband, Isaac. So we find ourselves thinking about how people will work a situation toward what they intend to be their good. And I just suddenly realized that with me calling them tricky, that is me putting a label on them. But I do believe I have facts to support the label. Okay, so here's some more backstory. Jacob learned that um, Laban's sons were grumbling about him. He also noticed that Laban himself had changed his attitude toward him. Then the Lord told Jacob to run, um, to return to the land of his father and grandfather and to his relatives and that God would be, be with him. So Jacob flees Laban's and Laban finds out. He finds out and he, he chases Jacob down. He is in a hot pursuit. They catch up. And uh, and they make a treaty, ultimately. I mean, some stuff went down, but they made a treaty. And you may have heard this quote before. May the Lord watch between us to make sure we keep this covenant when we're out of each other's sight. Okay, I'm kidding. That's the NLT translation. Most of you have heard it from the King James Version, and it reads this way. The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. Have you been in any Southern Baptist church? it is a likelihood that you have heard that saying right there. But this saying actually has to do not when we are leaving each other personally, but this, this has to do more with what was happening between this treaty that Laban and Jacob had established with one another. So Jacob continues this journey. He sends his messengers before him to Esau, 
who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. And he sent he sent this word to Esau uh, to let him know that he was coming and that he was hoping that despite their past, despite all the trickery around the blessing and the birthright, that Esau would be friendly. And so his messengers came back and said, hey, Esau's on his way to meet you. Y'all, <laughs> Jacob was terrified. Not only was Esau coming, but Esau was coming with an army of not 100, not 200, not 300. But Esau was coming with an army of 400 men, y'all. So Jacob, you know, went straight into, you know, like strategy mode. He divided his households, his his, his flocks, his herds, his camels into two groups. He, he just started working on this strategy because all he's thinking is, my brother said he was going to kill me. And now, you know, this might be the time that it happens. You know, I've been away all this time, but now I'm coming back. I thought maybe he was over it. Maybe he's not over it. All I know is I've been told he's coming to meet me and he's got 400 men um, uh, coming with him. So Jacob is in a in, in little bit of a, you know, <laughs> a little bit of a distressful situation. This is um, also the part of the Bible where Jacob where after Jacob made strategic moves with his family that he then wrestles with a man. Did you see my air quotes when I said man? Of course you did. Right away, that's when he gets his new name as well. He gets the name of Israel. And he also gets a limp. So as we hasten, he meets up with Esau. Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. This is a far cry from what Jacob was expecting. Esau was glad to see his brother. Esau had buried the hatchet. Esau was ready to reconcile. So they both wept. Esau meets the family. And later in the passage, we find Esau telling Jacob it's time to go and that he would lead the way. But Jacob tells him to go on ahead of him and, and that they would follow slowly at a pace that's comfortable for the livestock and the children. He says, you know, I have these these young kids and they can't, you know, I can't I can't tax them too much on this journey. So he tells Esau that he's going to meet him at Seir. Esau relented, but offered to provide men to go, you know, provide protection for Jacob and his family. But Jacob said, no, that's not that's not necessary. And you know where Jacob went? Not to where he said he was going. Jacob went to Succoth. He built a house and made shelters for his livestock. You know, he, he just didn't do what he said he was going to do. Jacob having reconciled with his brother after he thought his brother was going to kill him. He was offered protection from the robbers. And, you know, if you look at it, you know, that, does that make sense? Here's this wealthy man traveling with his wives, his kids and all of their possessions. And yet he declines protections. So Esau goes on back to Seir and said, uh, and, and, you know, Jacob goes off to Succoth and he bought land there and he, you know, bought the land from Hamar, the father of Shechem. He bought that for a hundred pieces of silver. And then he also built an altar there as well. Now, for me, if I'm thinking about this, if you're buying land, you're usually planning to stay a while. But remember, God had told him to return. He didn't say go to Succoth. Jacob was out of place. He put his family in a position where they were not where God told them to be. 
Now, this podcast episode isn't about Jacob per se. It's about what happens next in the story. But I cannot help but to wonder what would have happened if Jacob had listened to the Lord. What would have happened if Jacob was in the place that God told him to be? Jacob had his own strengths, but he also had his own weaknesses. And isn't that just like us? Isn't that just like us to have strengths and weaknesses, things that we're good at, things that we need to work on? But in what's about to happen in Jacob's family, I cannot help but run the line of what if. And I can do the same for me. What if I had done what God had told me to do when he told me to do it? Can you do the same? Can you run the same what if? Not that you ever need to to you know pitch your kit, um, tent there and, and stay in the land of what if. But it is worth uh, a trip there. Just to, just to consider what would happen when obedience is in play versus also what happens when obedience is not in play. Okay, that's something to think about, right? Just like Jacob's mistakes don't define him, they grow him. It could be the same for you and me. No one is perfect, so we're all going to make mistakes we're all going to do things that are not what we should be doing but let them be an opportunity for you to grow our our mistakes and our shortcomings do not define us god can use all kinds of people for his purposes and that alone is enough to just stop what you're doing right now and give god a praise shout praise clap praise just praise him the way that you want for knowing that despite your short shortcomings and shortfalls, that he still sees fit to use you for his purposes. He can still use you to give him to bring glory um, to himself. And so I just praise God for that because I know my walk has not been what it needs to be every time. But thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for repentance. Thank God for a second chance. Thank God for for seeing more in me than I saw in myself. I mean, the list could go on and on here, but I just want you to take a moment and think about how you can thank God for being there for you when no one else was there. For forgiving you when other people wouldn't. For lifting your head when you were down. For forgiving you of the mistakes you made. God, there's so much to give God praise and thanks for. So, let's get back with Jacob here. Because even though as this story unfolds, you know, Jacob put his family in this situation. But this is not the end of the story. So, Shechem is where where they're living. And upon research, uh, Shechem was in central Canaan. And... um, Some research I saw says that it was about 50 miles from Hebron where Jacob's father lives. Do you remember Isaac? So Isaac lived about 50 miles away from Jacob. Shechem is about, well, it's also a city about themselves. It's a city full of immorality and idolatry. Now, this should have been in stark contrast 
to what Jacob would have wanted the living conditions to be for his own children. Yet he stayed there where he was and the impact of that city would then start to bleed into creep into his family. At the time of the story, Dinah would have been somewhere between the ages of 13 and 16. So here's a young teenage girl. She's living in a household where she's the only daughter. And so she went out to visit some of the ladies in the land. She's new to the area. She goes out to see the other girls. And the first two verses of Genesis 34, we find out that Dinah was violated. Shechem, son of Hamar the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, took her, and raped her. Some texts read that he violated her. From this point on in the story, the narrative shifts to what the men wanted. All right. So Shechem, son of Hamar the Hivite, exercised absolutely no respect toward Dinah and no control for his flesh. He saw what he wanted and he took it. Shechem acted on his own evil impulsivity. His passions for Dinah were absolutely uncontrolled. He never acknowledged his wrong actions toward Dinah. He just demanded that his father get this girl for him. He wanted her as his wife. It almost steals your breath, doesn't it? Wait till we wait till I read to you verse three. Verse three says his heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. I got to tell you, the first thing I was like, <laughs> spoke tenderly to her, loved her. Come on, man. Verse four says, and Shechem said to his father, Hamar, get me this girl as my wife. So after he violated her, he wanted to marry her. I mean, are you are you struggling with this like me? Like after he violated her, then he wanted to marry her. How could this even be acceptable? How often does our own society confuse lust with love? We, I mean, we got a full blown insta insta lust situation going on here. What does the scripture say? It says he saw her. He took her. He raped her. And again, some, some verses say violated, some translations. But you get the point. Saw her, took her, raped her. Saw her, kidnapped her, raped her. I mean, <sighs> insta-lust. Driven by his own desires. No concern for her feelings. Sin. So, this whole, you know, loved her, spoke tenderly to her part, had me looking up, you know, some definitions here. <laughs> you know, love involves the willingness to put someone else's needs above our very own. So if we go basic and look at the dictionary, you know, it just 
I think I Googled this. Love is an intense feeling of deep affection. But if we visit the famous love passage often read in marriage ceremonies, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, let's go back and, and think about that where it says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And of course, that's the New Living Testament translation of First Corinthians 13 verses four through seven. And you may be more familiar with the King James Version, but we get the point here. The things that are characterized as the biblical definition of love are not found with Shechem. I don't see Shechem in that definition. I don't see him in that description. I see selfishness. I see lust. I see entitlement. I see violence and lack of compassion amongst other things. (laughs) The list can go on here. There's no consideration of her feelings. She had no plans, in my opinion, to encounter someone like Shechem on that day. It says she went to go see the ladies of the town. She went out to visit the ladies of the land there. There's no admission of guilt from Shechem. What he did to Dinah was wrong. Regardless, regardless of the culture. Lust ruled Shechem's heart. And he committed terrible acts of violence against Dinah, a teenager. Look, the the Bible is clear on lust. You know, there's there's several passages of scripture that talk about lust and and, you know, sin and and things of this nature. So let's just look at two. I'm going to read two um, right quick. Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And that's Matthew five twenty eight, And then coming out of Galatians five sixteen, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's words for us today that we might govern ourselves by. And there's more. There's more scriptures you can check out. If you get a pad and paper, you can write down Colossians 3, 5 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 5 and 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 22, James 1, 15 and 1 Peter 2, 11. You know, there's lots to be researched and found there, but you get the point. You can look up several places and read up on what the Bible has to say regarding lust And none of this condones it. None of this condones what Shechem did. He acted out of lust and it was wrong. So here's some questions to ponder. What's ruling your heart? And what's ruling mine? You know, before I, you know, recorded this, that, you know, I was writing these questions out. This is not just something for you. It's not an exercise just for you. But it's an exercise for me too. What's ruling my heart? What's ruling yours? What are you willing to do 
to get what you want. What do we do when things have been done to us that are wrong? And how should those who are close to us respond? We're going to find out what Dinah's brothers did in response and her father. We'll, we'll cover those in the coming episodes of this series. But our next episode, we'll, we'll, um, we'll pick up with Jacob. And then there we'll find out what he did when he found out that Dinah was violated. And we'll examine his actions. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're probably not going to be what you think. If you think about today's, you know, situation with fathers and daughters, especially, let's just say, daddy's girls. And I don't know that Dinah was a daddy's girl. I, I have no record for that. But let's just put ourselves in the minds of someone that we know that might be a daddy's girl. You know, that that that, that father may have a, a different response from Jacob, right? So we're going to look next week um, and, and we're going to examine his response. And we'll also talk about the survey that some of you participated in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for doing so. But we'll talk about that survey um, uh, that, that led up to this series, Scars and Ashes. So that's this has been a lot to digest today. Do the hard work and do the hard work of examining where you are. And then we'll come back and talk about it next time. So join us next week on Let's Talk Church, Conversations for the Church Curious and Convinced. I'm Sonia. See you next week. You have been listening to Let's Talk Church, a podcast designed for the curious and the convinced. Join us weekly as we explore and get more comfortable with Christianity. If you haven't done so already, please click subscribe. Also, you're welcome to join us on Instagram at Talk Church. We pray that our God will bless and keep you.